This episode is brought to you by MGMA Events. Join us June 6th through the 8th for a robust and convenient learning experience featuring education from industry leaders covering a wide variety of challenges facing medical practices today. MGMA Summit is a signature online event that allows you to take control of your journey by attending live or by accessing the sessions at your own pace until July 8th. Go to mgma.com events to learn more and to register today. Healthcare is complicated, but you don't have to navigate the complexities alone. Care Allies collaborates with physician organizations to solve some of the toughest challenges on the path to value-based care. As your organization works to effectively manage your more vulnerable patient populations, enhance outcomes, and improve data analytics, Care Allies brings the people, technology, and processes to support you so you can focus on practicing medicine. Visit careallies.com to see how they can help to radically simplify value-based care. Well, hi, everyone. I'm Daniel Williams, Senior Editor of MGMA and host of the MGMA Podcast Network. Today, we welcome Dr. Michael Tutte to the show. Michael has earned his PhD, his MHA, his FACMPE, and he's also Group Vice President at the American Medical Association. Michael's here today to talk about a topic he's presented on, and he's written about this in The Connection magazine, The title is Post-COVID-19 Trend Watch, Implications for Practices. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Now, first off, I just want to ask you, what is the lasting impression then of COVID-19? What is that impression it's had on the healthcare industry? As we come out of COVID-19, we're really experiencing, you know, everything we experienced pre-COVID-19 only amplified. I think a lot of the troubles and problems that were evident in the cracks we had in our healthcare system were only exacerbated as we, we went through the COVID pandemic and as we came out of the COVID pandemic. So at the AMA, we measure burnout uh, through a national study, and we actually saw burnout decreasing Uh, pre-COVID, and even into the height of the original beginning of COVID, burnout was actually lower as everyone was doing meaningful work early in the COVID, you know, healthcare workers coming together, banging pots and pans, we're all in this mission together to fight this virus. But as you come out of it and the fatigue, um, we see burnout skyrocketing for physicians and other healthcare professionals. Um, As we go into the long-term effects of, you know, workforce shortages and the additional stress of trying to deliver care uh, in the current U.S. healthcare system. Okay. Now, as mentioned earlier, this topic originally uh, came to fruition with Connection Magazine. Then it became uh, a talk that you gave in Orlando at our Financial and Operations Conference. We are going to uh, have that presentation again at the MGMA Summit Conference in June. Talk about the origins of it. Did you just start connecting with the MGMA editor or where did this research begin for you? So my role at the AMA is to work and lead a unit that is addressing the obstacles that interfere with patient care. Everything that makes it harder for physicians to um, deliver patient care. And 
Uh, my research uh, manager and I, Lindsay Carlisare, had been sort of looking at different issues and started to draft uh, together uh, a paper uh, that uh, we ended up talking with the editors of MGMA Connection, and it was published in the October 2022 issue um, that looked at some of the major trends that we thought were important for practice leadership to watch. So these are not the obvious ones that you might be struggling with today, but ones that are just over the horizon that are uh, likely going to impact the practice of medicine. And we talked about what they were and what practice leadership might want to be thinking about as they look at those topics. We took that paper a step further during the talk to talk a little bit about leadership in general and how as leaders, it's important for us to stay current in trends, how we should be thinking about trends and how as we grow in our career, the breadth and depth of issues we should be looking at should be expanded so that we can add more value to the healthcare organizations and practices that we work in. Okay, well, let's break those down then. We're gonna address uh, how this can impact leaders in the practice. We'll also address several of those trends. The first one I want to ask you about, you had mentioned burnout. We all know uh, just this, it's an epidemic of burnout right now in the healthcare space. So uh, you talk about a trend, the growing integration of behavioral health. So talk about that. What is occurring in that space? Sure, happy to. That was one of the trends we highlighted in the paper. And just as a note, when we talk about burnout, we talk about things around sort of depression and anxiety. We consider mm -hmm. those two different things. The, okay. the former burnout is a workplace phenomenon, that feeling of you know losing interest in your job, meaning in your job. You just don't want to come to work anymore. And you start to disengage from your colleagues or your patients okay. if you're a healthcare uh, physician. Um, but we're seeing also, though, on the flip side, a growing need for mental health concerns, which, you know, obviously things like anxiety and depression. And we're seeing that across the spectrum of, of the U.S. And particularly as we come out of COVID, we're seeing anxiety and so many studies about young adults, uh, for instance, uh, with increasing mental health care needs. And as a parent of two college seniors, we've been doing a lot of college tours. Almost every university is talking about their growing portfolio of uh, mental health options that they're offering their students. Well, those students are getting those at uh, college, but then they're graduating and going out and seeking and that same type of resources in the workplace, many looking for things beyond what a traditional EAP provider can provide. But we have a shortage of mental health care professionals uh, at all levels in the United States. So one of the things we talk about because of that shortage, there's opportunities for other medical specialties to integrate behavioral health into their practices. So obviously primary care can do that, but even other specialties can integrate behavioral health into their practices and really take on some of those simpler, simpler lower acuity mental health conditions, leaving the higher acuity ones for psychiatrists uh, and psychologists to take advantage of. Um, and so we talk about the importance of practice leadership. If they wanna differentiate themselves and really add value to their patients is thinking about how they can integrate behavioral health. And there's many models to do it from on-site staffing to close coordination with uh, off-site uh, providers uh, because there's gonna be a huge growing need for mental health services and just not a number of healthcare professionals to fill that need going forward. Well, that's what I was gonna follow up and ask you. We already know about staffing shortages, but with the increase in behavioral health needs lately, 
it just seems like there's ju- there's not the foundation. There's not enough uh, providers, uh, social workers, psychologists, therapists of any ilk uh, to that we're equipped to, to handle uh, the needs of behavioral health in America right now. Yeah, so this sort of leads to another trend. We just talk about uh, sort of the the changes in the workforce um, mm-hmm. and the potential workforce healthcare workforce shortages we're going to be facing uh, in the coming years. And unfortunately, it's not a, a healthcare issue. It's a, a, the U.S. aging of the population. We're actually right. going to have a workforce shortage. So, as a practice leader, and you're trying to recruit front desk staff or medical assistants uh, or technicians, you're not just competing with the hospital down the street or the practice across town. You're now competing with other employers outside of healthcare who are starting to ratchet up their rates of pay, whether that be you know fast food restaurants, retail, right. Amazon fulfillment warehouses, who are all competing for a workforce. Unfortunately, we run healthcare on the backs of a lot of healthcare workers who are making $15, $16, $17 an hour. And if someone offers you 50 cents more an hour, a dollar more an hour, that's meaningful change in your income. Mm-hmm. Even if that means you leaving something that you may be passionate about healthcare uh, and going to a non-healthcare role uh, for the work. Um, so it's really important uh, to think about as a practice leader, how do we not only recruit people into our practices, but how do we retain those? So it's always a good opportunity to look at the resources and talk to your staff about things that they're looking for. And sometimes those benefits are just beyond pay, things that you can do around scheduling flexibility uh, or things to support um, more teams uh, to get work done. And how can your employees help you then recruit? Because if they enjoy working there, they're going to want to help people they know join your practice. So how do you think about that? So we talk a little bit about that as some of the trends as well, as well as just the, the changing nature of our, our, our physician workforce, which is um, becoming uh, more female. Uh, today, we have more mm-hmm. females uh, in, uh, in in medical school than we do male. And so that's going to change the demographics and what you're going to want to recruit physicians who are going to probably be looking for things like childcare opportunities and child support um, opportunities where we're seeing more uh, two-physician uh, households. Uh, and so offering those benefits and those flexibility. And I spoke with a practice leader who told me almost uh, uh, three quarters or more percent of their primary care physicians were working part-time. So how do we allow these flexibilities that may have not been traditional work schedules so that we can recruit the uh, healthcare workforce we need? Okay. In your research, did you also come across or look into um, remote work, hybrid work, even international employees. I've talked to some practice leaders who are at least exploring, if not already taking advantage of some of those uh, back office type roles where they can be handled by people even internationally or remotely. Yeah, well, you've seen all sorts of different ways uh, healthcare organizations are looking to recruit uh, to recruit workers. And it's going to take a lot of creativity um, to, uh, and it's probably not one simple solution, but it's going to be looking about how you staff your organization, how you create efficiencies within your organization, what work should be done within staff, what work should be outsourced. Uh, and that may depend on your specialty of practice, where you, where you are in the country and the available workforce in your community. Um, but you know how you can grow that workforce by working with colleges, even working with high schools to get people interested in careers in healthcare 
Uh, and if you can be part of that in your community, it gives you sort of a, a foot in the door to the early entrance potential workers that can, uh, can join your practice. All right. Another trend that got my attention here, you talk about the rise of digitally enabled care. Talk about that. What's taking place right now? What do you see happening in the future there as well? And here's, again, another big impact of COVID, the, the rise of telemedicine. You, we looked in a four-week period in the month of March 2020, and we saw telemedicine rates you know, rise of what probably would have taken five to 10 years. Uh, and we probably maybe have took the pendulum too far uh, when we were kind of nervous about uh, bringing patients into the practice, particularly for things that may have been preventative or didn't need a, a physical touch or, or uh, an uh, on-site exam. Uh, but And we are seeing that the telemedicine numbers decline now as we're in 2023, kind of normalize, um, you know, higher than they were pre-COVID, but not nearly during that height. Um, in some specialties, particularly in mental health, you're seeing you know continued very high penetration. Where in other specialties, that's that's that that number is getting lower. But telemedicine is really just the beginning, uh, and I think with COVID, the push for doing a lot more things digitally enabled. And how do you track that? And even from the time we wrote this paper in October of 2022 to the time I presented, we're hearing terms like chat GPT right. and all of this technology and chat GPT passing medical licensure exams, for instance. Um, so what does that mean? You know, as a practice leader, it really boils down to a few fundamental questions when you're assessing all these technologies. And it's good that you're staying current with them because as we talked about things like workforce shortages or how you want to add technology, you want it to make sure it enhances patient care, that it enhances um, the practice and, and the staff enjoy working with it. So the, you know, the real questions that you want to answer, of course, is does this technology work? Uh, and there's a lot of promises for technology, but does it work? The second question is, you know, how does it impact payment? Is this a technology that's a cost in my practice? Is it something that a technology that's reimbursable? Third, you have to think about the liability. Does this technology increase my malpractice? Um, concerns are potentially lower to them. And fourth, and the one that's almost always overlooked is how does it in, um, integrate into my practice, integrate into the workflows, integrate the way we deliver medicine within our practice? Is it something that is going to cause a lot of uh, frustration for our physicians, our health, our nurses, our technicians, or something that's going to add into the flow and actually increase the efficiency of their job and, and decrease the administrative burden? So, there's so many great healthcare conferences that you can get out there and read about and stay current um, and figure about where these new technologies can potentially add value to your practice. Okay. Are there any other trends I didn't ask about? I know you 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 identified several. Is there at least one more you want to talk about that you think would be of interest to our audience? I think uh, the Gen Z is an interesting uh, change to talk about. This Gen Z who uh, are are you know just now and they're the oldest Gen Zs are in their mid twenties, so they're not you're not going to find you know Gen Z physicians, although they may be just you know coming out of medical school now. But when you think about Gen Z, both as a worker, as someone you're going to hire, how do you support them? As well as Gen Z, a patient, how do you care for them? As a worker, they're gonna be looking for different things about um, work-life balance, what it means that they're getting out of the job, the value, and even how they wanna communicate. During the conference, uh, 
that we had, uh, the MGMA conference I spoke about, a, a person in the audience asked about, you know, my Gen Z uh, employees don't want to read their emails. They won't respond to emails. Well, maybe that's not the best communication vehicle for them. How to use chat or Teams or um, Slack or other uh, team-based tools that they may be more comfortable using that some of your other employees might not be comfortable using. So how do you think about that? But also, how do you think about them as a consumer, as a patient? Very comfortable using digitally enabled care, you know, who would actually prefer to schedule a visit electronically than call. I know I have two, as I mentioned, high school seniors, they will gladly order food to be delivered to the house if they can click some buttons, but the family restaurant down the street where you have to call and speak to them when they order, they're never going to order food from there. They don't want to get on the phone. They don't want to talk with anybody. They want to do it digitally. So is your practice offering digital scheduling, telemedicine appointments and things that are going to tailor to this young and relatively healthy audience who may have more options to go to a walk-in retail clinic for one visit, go to Teladoc or another um, uh, you know, telemedicine virtual company and come to your practice, you know, they might less likely, particularly if they're young and healthy, to stay loyal to any one practice. So how do you make sure that you can differentiate to this audience, offer them the way they want to schedule and receive care um, so that you can pull them into your practice? I, when you mentioned your own kids, I thought of mine. I have an 18-year-old, and uh, against my better judgment, I had to join Snapchat if I wanted to communicate with her. She's a freshman in college, and uh, she's in California, and I'm in Colorado. I needed to know what was going on yes. with her. So you kind of have to communicate with them where they are if you want to make That's that right. work. So, and I know for my own kids, email is not the email is, is not, not the way it. to get that. But you know, text them; they'll get yep. they'll get promptly back. Yeah, that is it. So we have been talking about these trends. So let's look at it through the lens of the practice leader's eyes. How can they assess these trends to add value to their practice, use these trends as a tool to improve their practice and even grow their careers? Well, I think as we grow our careers, we need to absorb information on on two different scopes that sort of that sort of expand. You know, there's the there's sort of the breadth of knowledge you need to absorb that goes from maybe the unit I work in um, to the department to the hospital. But when you get up to uh, executive leadership, you're talking you're talking about the community, regional concerns, or national healthcare issues. So that that scope of information you want to absorb it gets wider, but also the timeline gets longer. You know, you're worried about things today, this week. You know, if you're a medical assistant, you may be concerned about the patient schedule today that are coming into your practice. Your practice today, what's who's coming in? Do we have the right resources? Are the physicians here on time if I'm a medical assistant? All the way on the flip side, the CEO is trying to absorb information looking at national trends because they're going to be making capital investments that are going to take years to pay off and they want to know what are the demographics of the community where we're going to build a new hospital? Where's Medicare payment going? So how do we think about these sort of as you're growing your career to always broaden both the time horizon you're looking at and the breadth of content? And I would argue that in, when we're very busy practice leaders, it can be hard to, to stay current. It can be hard to attend an MGMA conference. But if you just commit to read one article a day, that's all you read is one article a day. I guarantee you're going to be more informed than most of your colleagues within a practice. So it might, you might get your Connection magazine and there might be a dozen articles in there. You don't have to read the whole Connection the day you receive it. Just say over lunch, I'm going to read one article. Tomorrow, I'm going to read another article. And if you read an article a day, 
you're going to be better informed. And as you think about how to digest that, and with every article you read, what does that mean for my practice? Is that a trend I should be reading? Oh, I'm reading some interesting information about the environment and going green. Does that impact me as a practice leader? Well, maybe not a lot today, but maybe my patients are going to be interested in going to a practice that's green. Maybe there's cost savings measurements we can go if we go green um, to save my practice money. You know, so how are these different topics that you might be reading relevant to your role and your leadership within your practice? Mm -hmm. Last question then, in addition to the Connection Magazine, thank you for the plug there. But in addition to that, um, where are some good resources that our listeners can go to to keep up to date on these trends? Where would you point them? Well, I think you have to step back and look about where you want to learn. Where do you want to mm -hmm. grow? What is your role? Maybe you're on the financial side. So you want to look at some associations that deal with more financial information, provide financial email newsletters. Maybe you're more on the practice management side. Maybe you're more into strategy. So I think there's a lot of associations uh, mm -hmm. for different types of leadership roles that have newsletters or, or, or print magazines. And then there's other industry publications that you, you might want to look at from medical economics to um, Becker's um, uh, puts out kind of current affairs and what's going on. So I think you need to figure out the ones that, that interest you. I think the important source of information is the one that you're going to read and digest. So you can get a lot of subscription emails. You can get a lot of publications mailed to your office. But if they're just going to sit on your desk or you're going to hit delete in your inbox, then it's not a good source of information for you. The best source of information is one that interests you to click on it or open up the magazine and read the article and think about what information you're digesting and how it can help you be a better leader within your practice. All right. Well, that is great advice. So Michael, thanks so much for joining us on the MGMA Insights Podcast. Yeah. So that is going to do it for this episode of MGMA's Insights Podcast. Thanks again to Michael Tutty. He's group president at the American Medical Association. And you can hear Michael speak on this topic of post-COVID-19 trend watch implications for practices at MGMA Summit digital event. That's going to be Wednesday, June 7th. Go to mgma.com slash events to learn more and to register today. And thanks for being a loyal listener to the MGMA Podcast Network. If you like the work we're doing, please consider becoming an MGMA member. Learn more at mgma.com slash membership.